Mizel Beauty Co. creates fuss-free products that work on every skin type using the finest quality, naturally derived ingredients, such as wild plum or bilberry seed oil. Like us, they share a passion for the transformative power of nature, and they encourage their employees and customers to get outside to experience it as much as possible. There is a reason their mantra is naturally active. Hello, it's Hannah here today and we have Will Norman, London's Walking and Cycling Commissioner, in the studio with us today. You're listening to Nature Bands. Hi Will, thanks so much for taking the time out to come on the show. I know you're a super busy person and in a different zone every day. It does feel like that sometimes. <laughs> Thanks ever so much for having me. I'm really excited. Great. So you're you're super important in London. I'm not. <laughs> Don't flatter me. In my world you are. And I would really like for you to introduce yourself to everyone. I'm Will Norman. I have a wonderful job. My job is that I'm the Mayor of London's Walking and Cycling Commissioner. And it's a pretty straightforward job. But the idea is, it's like that Ron Seal says, it does what it, it, does what it says on the tin or whatever the phrase is, is to get more people across London walking, cycling more as part of their their daily lives. And so far, like, what would you say, like, your key achievements have been in your role? Because how long have you been in the position so now? I've been in this job for just over two years, two, coming up for two and a bit years. Um, and there's been so much uh, that's been going on. I think the things that I'm most excited is that over the past, so far this term, we've doubled the amount of protected cycleways across the city. In this term, compared with what was delivered by the previous administration, we are seeing um, changes across the city. And it's not just about the sort of cycling on main road. What I'm really excited about, the different people who are getting interested in this, the different groups and communities who are calling out for more more walking, making sure the roads are safer. You're seeing a sort of change in zeitgeist, I think, across the city. And, and that's an exciting thing to be part of. Yeah, I, I really agree. I, I liked it the other day. I think you were... You, maybe you were in, um, I don't know where you were, because you're always all over the shop. <laughs> you were either in the <laughs> Literally Netherlands. Literally and metaphorically. <laughs> yeah, you were either in the Netherlands or somewhere up north talking to Chris Boardman, but you were saying, like, it should be, you know, we should be showing pictures of, like, everyday cyclists, yeah. you know, not just the people in Lycra. It was, it was, that was it. That was a really great hashtag that I think you should have made out of your quote. I, it was funny. I was in Manchester seeing Chris and the other, some of the other walking cycling uh, commissioners and champions across different cities, and I, I sort of looked at the panel. I think I was the only one who didn't have an Olympic medal, which, uh, which <laughs> oh. made me feel good. But I think this is actually a really important part. And I know all of those guys feel the same, that this is not about encouraging people in Lycra to cycle fast through our city. I'm, I'm not interested in having the Tour de France every morning going through central Hackney. This is about how can we get people who are not necessarily walking much at the moment, not necessarily people who might have a bike in the shed, a bike hanging on a balcony, but just normal people yeah. not defining themselves as cyclists. Nobody calls themselves a tubist or a busist. It's it's about just being a mode of travel to get around normally. Yeah, I think for me, for some reason, like I, when I used to live in North London, I used to cycle a lot more. And so it was like a shorter journey. It was like 20 minutes yeah. um, from somewhere in like Dalton or De Beauvoir. And then over to Old Street and I used to go the back streets and I felt really confident but as I've got older I've like lost my confidence a little bit I don't know if it's like because I don't live north anymore and so there's hills near where I live or whether it just seems like there's more traffic nowadays but I just I definitely don't have the the 
the necessary skills, I think, to be a, a London cyclist, which is a shame because it would be so much well, easier. I don't, I don't think it's down to your skills. It's actually yeah. about our roads. Mm. And and your, your, this, is, this is what I'm talking about in terms of normality. What you're saying is what I hear from so many people. The biggest barrier for getting people on their bikes for those short little journeys, not for trekking across the whole city, but just going to the shops, taking kids to school, going to the local surgery, going to see friends, going out for dinner. The biggest barrier for all of that is actually feeling safe on the roads. And that's why it's so important that we're building that, that cycle network that we're, that we're rolling out. And that, that includes physical protection on the main roads, yeah. so those segregated cycle lanes, but also reducing the traffic on the back streets. Because a lot of people, myself included, I like cycling on the back streets yeah. of London. It's quieter, it's less polluted. You see some interesting, amazing things. Like amazing houses and exactly. stuff like that. Exactly. And I'm quite nosy. I'm quite interested <laughs> in looking in and those sort of things. But it is all about exploring the city. But yeah. you need to do that. You can't do that where there are high volumes of traffic or no. where the streets are really fast, because mm. that's scary. And if you're wanting to get 12 years olds to be cycling to school by themselves or if you want to get people who haven't cycled for a long time or, or or don't necessarily haven't grown up in london don't feel confident that's the way to do it it's about making our streets feel safer for people rather than just designing them for, for cars which has been what has happened in this city over the last hundred years yeah no it's very true there's a really good article which you might have read by uh, george monbiot it's like called carmageddon carmageddon in the guardian yeah oh my gosh that really resonated with me he like hit hit the nail on the head with that one just like it's just terrifying and and the fact that they use like new private cars <laughs> to sell the idea of being in touch with like the urban streets as well like, there was one recent ad talking about cars using using the city as a playground for yeah, cars and the... no the city should be a playground for people uh, yeah. and for kids yeah. and obviously we need cars to make essential journeys we're not saying cars should be completely banned or changed mm. but there's so many journeys that are made that are unnecessary that could be made by uh, but that are made by car now but could be walked could be cycled the stat that all I always quote People are bored of me saying this, yeah. but every morning in London, mm -hmm. quarter of a million car journeys are just associated with the school run. And you think about how close schools are to people's homes in most cases, particularly primary schools. Why aren't those kids walking, cycling, scooting, hopping, using space hoppers? I don't care, but mm. not in congesting, you know, not in, 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 in cars that cause congestion, pollution and... and a, pretty bad for everyone. Yeah, it feels like now really is the time to, to try and sort this out. I don't know if you've watched that Years and Years programme, have you, on BBC? I haven't seen Years and Years, no. Oh, it's like it's a bit like um, Charlie Brooker's Black Mirror, yeah. and it basically takes the current landscape and then fast-forwards 15 years to yeah. what it's like, and it's haunting. Um, well, I don't think you need to take forward 15 <laughs> years. Like, so for the other day, there was a bit of ice that broke off from the Arctic, the size of New yeah, York. Yeah? yeah, and but that's nothing because three months ago, a size, the, the, something the size of the state of Delaware broke out. Yeah, we've had forest fires this year in Yorkshire in February. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think the the you know in the moment, Central Europe is about to hit with a massive heat wave, and everybody's saying actually this is the new normality. Yeah, climate change is happening, mm. and. Within, within Europe, 27% of all CO2 emissions come from transport. And so what we can all do as part of our daily lives is reduce those emissions by walking and cycling more. Now, that's not only good for the planet, but that's good for everyone in mm. terms of their, their well-being, feeling happier. Mm. You get to see your neighbours, you get to talk to people, you get, as I said, you can be nosy and look around different people's <laughs> sort of neighbourhoods. Yeah. It's a great way of getting around. And if you don't want to see people, you can put glasses and headphones on. <laughs> 
I wouldn't recommend the headphones. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, even when you're walking? Uh, walking, uh, well, I think certainly one of, one of the things that is slightly alarming is the cycling, people cycling with headphones that mm. end up, you, you end up losing a sense on, yeah. on, on, on a busy street. Especially like, noise-cancelling ones on, like, exactly. doesn't feel really yes. smart. No, I meant walking. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, th- I think it's a really interesting point that you've brought up here. And I think one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about was you know, the last two years, we've seen things like Offo bikes and O bikes yeah. come in, or Mo bikes. I can't remember. They've all got really similar names, and then go again. They're the sort of names you don't want to confuse together because <laughs> it might end up with the wrong acronym. Oh God! Oh, I don't even want to go there. But <laughs> you've seen them. We've seen them come. We've seen them go. Some have stuck around. It felt like the launch for almost all of them was really badly organised and they took a model that maybe worked really well in Asia um, because people don't steal bikes and then brought it over here and actually, you know, people do steal bikes. Like, how do you think, like, you've got electric scooters coming now, you've got electric bikes. Are we going to have the same problem that we had before or do you think it's going to be different this time? So the I think the the whole rollout of dockless bikes is really interesting. I, I'm mm. actually really interested in that that technology. Yeah. I think it's interesting, it's exciting, but it's how it's done. You're right. It's mm. how it's done and working so that it actually benefits everybody. Now, the rollout of some of those bikes, O-bikes came to London without telling anybody, yeah. but thousands of bikes all over the streets, they didn't even have GPS uh, units in the bikes. So the whole, the whole idea was based on trust that when you log off the when you park your bike, you click the log off button on the phone and the phone logs where the bike is. I and didn't know that. Yeah. So that's why they were so easy to steal then. So, and they were just, they were just, well, they had this sort of funny locking device that yeah. anyone, any any <laughs> kid in in my neighbourhood certainly yeah. figured out how to how to detach that, which had a problem with theft. But it was, uh, the, the I thought the biggest problem was how they were being scattered around our pavements. Yeah. Older people, people with visual impairments were really struggling to find their way. They were dangerous the way they were being left around. Mm. And one of our problems for as London, and then, then other bikes came in, all so pursuing that aggressive policy, not really engaging with people. So one of the things I did uh, straight away when that came out was actually get all the boroughs, all the highway authorities in London to come together. We developed a code of conduct, co- code of conduct yeah. saying, well, what's good look like in terms of those operators? But one of the challenges is we don't have the legal framework by which to, 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 to enforce or, or to control it. So that's exactly what we're working on now is okay. actually... Could we have a system whereby you could say if you're, say, for example, you want some bikes on your street you, yeah. um, and therefore you could designate a sort of virtual GPS based or Bluetooth based docking station, which would allow highway authorities and people living in areas to say, yes, we do want this, but only here. That makes yeah. sense, actually. Now, yes. And, but, and which I think that sounds great because then you can limit where they go. Yeah. You can say hello. But also for the companies, they know where their bikes are. They can yeah. pick them up. They can service them in that space. But what we need to do is... All, one of the problems with 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 sort of um, with, with with I suppose with new technology in general is the new technology comes out. There's a lag time for the sort of legislator for the legislation to come out uh, to, to 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 deal with that new technology, and then there's even bigger lag time for sort of social codes of conduct to develop yeah. around it. And you see it with everything. Yeah. Um, so this is about us catching up with the with the legislation. Not but not. I wish I could do it right away, but yeah. actually we don't. The government doesn't give cities the powers to do this, and I would say the 
Department for Transport need to take more ownership of this. But what we need to do is using the um, approach we've got now is not just make it for bikes, but actually what future things are going to come out. We've seen the rise of electric scooters. Yeah. We've, so we've seen, you know, are we going to see hverboards from Back to the Future too? I think that <laughs> might not necessarily be the case just yet. But, but you we have need the similar to future proof. Yeah, those the, sort of funny wheel yeah, things. That people and people look like clowns. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about those. I, I, you don't get me on one of those. No. But, uh, but the point is, when you come up with these new things, you need to future proof. So that's exactly exactly what we're doing at the moment uh, okay. in terms of the bikes. The scooters are another sort of really interesting yeah. uh, challenge. Um, I I like the bikes a lot. The scooters, I've, I can... You can look at some of the benefits and dis- disbenefits. One of the challenges, I think, is it doesn't actually encourage people to be active. So yeah. we've got a huge inactivity crisis in London. You know, thirty only something like only sixty percent of only twenty percent of kids in London are physically active. So eighty percent of kids are not physically active, according to the World Health Organization. That's a ticking time bomb for health-related challenges. So part of this is about getting people more active. The electric scooters don't don't necessarily do that, um, but it is a different thing there is law around that and at the moment those are illegal in the UK and uh, that's a national government issue in terms of shaping what what legal framework they 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 operate in so how are jump doing then so jump are rolling out the electric bikes so yeah. they are so and that's a whole uh, the, the e-bikes i think are fantastic yeah. um the, the the concept of an e-bike is not i assume they were scooters for for some reason no those red things they were talking about there's jump the one by Uber. So the one by Uber, the red jump bikes. Yeah, yeah they're, bikes. They're, they're, they're bikes. God, and they're bikes. For some reason, the message that got through to me is scooters. <laughs> well, maybe maybe they need to work on their marketing. Yeah, a bit that's more. what I was thinking. I was like, assumed it was electric scooters. Oh dear. So they've got the e-bikes, and the e-bikes I think are a really exciting development. So e-bikes are not uh, just electric motorbikes. Mm. They're essentially pedal assist. So they help you on hills. Yeah. They help they're you. They're a bit more off. accessible, aren't they're they? They're really accessible. What we're seeing is more older people are using them, That's people great. who don't necessarily want to rock up at meetings sweating, um, people Tick carrying, I mean, likewise, <laughs> people carrying kids around. And, and one of the things that's interesting, they, you still do 80% of the physical activity on any bike. But what we find are people who are using them end up cycled twice as far. And for you know, oh, you mentioned because they're much more confident. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you live in a hilly area, yeah. it really takes the edge off the hills. Oh, so that's so true. In continental Europe, at the moment, they're selling. I think in Germany, it's something like fifty percent of the bike sales are now, are now e-bikes. So. If I would encourage everybody to have a go on one, yeah. see 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 what it's like. They're fun. They're mm. easy. They're safe. There's a maximum speed limit. They're not, you know, they 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 they're a development of the bicycle, not a motorbike. So you still have to put your hand out and like indicate. They don't have like you know indicators and stuff. Not that I've seen yet. <laughs> You've still got to be able to ride a bike. You okay, know, it, right, it's yeah. basically a you bike still need with your core a to balance which, and yes, stuff. exactly. And okay. um, it's it's cycling, but it's uh, it's not quite as strenuous. People who love them at the moment. are mountain bikers so they, they go up the mountain using the e-bike and then down using the thing and does it automatically switch off or you've got gears or yeah something? you can you can switch off and, and oh God, after a certain speed now. after a certain speed it just zones out anyway so you can't go any faster with the electric ah. then it's just pedaling um so that's capped at 15 miles an hour but for you know imagine skiing you don't yeah. you don't ski up the hill to go downhill skiing and I've mountain biking is the same skiing. well i <laughs> I've done we it disastrously a couple of times. <laughs> I went once on my honeymoon and I couldn't oh. ski. I couldn't ski at all, but my wife can. So it was oh, a sort of that must have been liberating. I checked in. We had a big argument after she <laughs> oh, tried to teach me, and I checked into ski school. 
and she went off to do black runs or whatever so they're called. It's a lovely honeymoon then. It was, we did get together at lunchtime <laughs> and in the afternoon. But yeah, it well, was, after it was, ski, exactly. after ski, is that what it's called? <laughs> um, that's funny. Um, I can't, yeah, I can imagine like if I went with my husband here, I would get a rollicking <laughs> for not being able to ski. I, I, yeah, I, I lack skills on the ski slope. <laughs> um, I, I think that's really interesting because... Quite a few people I've spoken to recently who are kind of feeling like guilty about the school run and drop off. And, you know, like a little bit unnecessarily. I was like talking to this mum today and she was like, she came up to me and she was like, oh, I feel really bad. But, you know, I've got a bad back. And I'm like, fair enough. If you can't walk, you've got a bad back. It's absolutely fine to drive. It's in the instances when, you know, you don't have to drive where you could walk. And bless her, she's bought a... um, Electric scooter. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> so she's already, like, she realises she, well, she wants to be mobile, yeah. she wants to do more. Because she's, I guess, like, has um, less ability with her back, like, scootering's yeah. a really good option yeah. for her. The, I think the, the challenge with all this is people shouldn't feel guilty about this, but it is thinking about what journeys could you make doing another mode, yeah. you know, and that's good. You know, it's, it's, it's those shorter journeys. If you're going to be in queue to pick up a load of patio tiles, yeah. you know, I would recommend maybe a bike isn't your best option. <laughs> but um, there, are, yeah. there are so many journeys that could be made, shorter journeys that could mm. be made by walking and cycling, and, and that is good for for Londoners and it's good for London as a city. One of the things that speaking to um, Dan Raven-Ellison about the other week, he thinks that we'll soon feel the same way we do about CDs and VHS about cars. And like we had like quite a big debate about it. What do you think about that? I think the car industry is doing everything it can possibly to stop that happening. And whether cars are electric or they're self-driving, they are still cars. They're yeah. still causing congestion. They mm. are still unnecessary on, on, on a lot of our roads and they, they cause, even the electric ones can cause, cause pollution. Well, also, so, like George was saying, like the fossil fuels needed and the metals needed exactly. to actually make the cars, which we don't we don't really have so, much of that left. I, you know, I think, I'm not sure if, if Dan's right on that. I think we're a long way before we, we see that and, and that industry and the, all the marketing and all the vested interests will do an awful lot to, yeah. to prevent that. Um, but it is interesting, in London, private car use is falling. The number yeah. of people who are getting uh, driving licences, mm-hmm. uh, particularly at a young age, is falling. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. So you're seeing... Maybe because it's expensive. It's expensive. It's yeah. exceedingly expensive. And you don't um, really need to drive in it, London. No, and there are other options to car ownership. So if you do, you know, there are car clubs and there are yeah. shared options uh, around that. But um, it is, you know, one of the challenges is, do you want to then replace it with, um, with you know, a fleet of private hire vehicles um, instead of that, which would still be, you know, cause pollution and, and emissions. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think that we are seeing a, seeing a change. When we talked a bit about the climate change earlier, yeah. you know, my kids always question, why, you know, what, what do we, why do we, why, why are you going in the car? Mm. You know, if we're going to see grandma, well, yeah. grandma lives in Bristol and mm. um, we need to go there Get for the, the weekend. Exactly. <laughs> my right. son would love that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, it's, it's, I think there is a zeitgeist change happening, um, but we shouldn't be complacent because there yeah. are an awful lot of vested interests. And there's a, every conference I get invited to, there's always some discussion around autonomous vehicles. I know. Yeah? And, you know, I, 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 there are two things that worry me about that. Well, three things. One, a car is still a car, whether mm-hmm. it's not ridden by a person or not. Secondly, I worry that imagine if you're in an autonomous vehicle and you say, right, I can't find a parking space, so I'm just going to go to the shop and I'll let the car drive around in circles till yeah. I come out again. Yeah, that's just going to add to congestion, add to pollution. And then how do autonomous vehicles work in urban areas where you've got cyclists, you've got pedestrians, you've got all these people? I'm, I've yet to see how that's going to work safely. Yeah, and when you think about like, 
the algorithms that need to be designed to control these cars and, like, who makes the decisions on what is the safest way to stop or who to sacrifice at a different moment. It's quite... I think we're a long way way off this, and I think there is an awful lot of conversation and talk around it, but I think there are other things we should be talking about. I completely agree. I get really frustrated when I go to these events. I went to this big one earlier on in the year, and it was kind of touted as, like, move, mobility in cities, and we were the only walking app in the whole thing there. And, like, no one was taking us seriously. Like, seriously, because everyone's there just talking about... Shiny, you know, big tech yeah, objects. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. Or, That's the challenge. And technology has such an important role to play. It's just part of yeah. our lives these yeah. days. But what, where do you focus the technology? Is the technology in the cars or is the technology in the ways that we change our behaviour, making yeah. it easier to do things that are, that are good for us and yeah. good for our communities? Yeah, I completely agree. It's, um, it is frustrating. It is really frustrating. Yeah. Now, as you may or may not know, we have a walking app called Go Jauntly. And because one of our main aims in life is to try and encourage you to walk more and discover new places to visit, Shane from Go Jauntly is going to take us through his favourite walks each week. You can find out more on our website or you can download the app. But in the meantime, Shane, what have you got for us today? Hi, Hannah. I have a friend up in Sheffield who I've been meaning to visit for a while, and I thought if I did do that this month, it would be the perfect opportunity to take in some of the views on offer in the Peak District. I've heard that it's amazingly beautiful there, and I've never been. So one route in particular that's in the app that I've been looking at is Curver Gap to Froggett Edge. It's sort of these amazing clifftop views over the surrounding area. But as far as I can tell, the route is relatively flat. So there's not that much work for a whole lot of reward, which is my kind of route. Thanks so much, Shane. We're just going to go back to the podcast interview now. when people kind of argue that oh yeah electric cars we should do that or da, 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 da. I'm just like but it's still all of the resources like I just mentioned that it takes and even with automated cars and then also you've got I'm assuming with the automated cars you've got to run massive server farms to keep the cars going which will take up god knows how, how much. much energy that's uh, going yeah, to require it's and just, like never you know, ending yeah, exactly it's, yeah. it, it strikes me that it's creating a problem yeah. um, before you know it's, it's replacing one problem with another in the future yeah what I was wondering, and maybe someone's already doing this, if you could just one thing, I don't know if this would work, but could you like just put like a filter in every single car? I mean, I know it doesn't stop like overall emissions, <laughs> but like and so at least it was pumping out cleaner air and like and that was just like a policy. But, and you know, but, but we did have that policy in terms of the, you know, the different uh, the different the, the different uh, regulations around yeah. car emissions. But yeah. the car companies lied, lied. to us all about it all. <gasps> Um, and so you've got, you then need to think about what's the regulations behind this. But I think oh, this whole God. point is that, you know, there are things that can be done. The, the, the ultra low emission zone in central London, yeah. which is controlling the amount of what type of vehicles can come in and where, is making a genuine difference to, to weight the way the air is and the number of vehicles that are driving so around. So you, 
know that for a fact now then? So we know certainly, I remember the first time I looked at that scheme and looking at compliance levels, so how many cars would actually yeah. be, uh, would be, uh, would be meet the limits within mm. that zone. And I think the first sort of sheet that I saw showed that about f- only 40% of the vehicles would be compliant, would be, yeah. f- would meet those obligations. Actually, the, the results that we've had from the sort of so far, and it's still early in that, is that actually 73% of vehicles are compliant. So people are already changing the type of vehicles that they're driving in, in, in central London, and then that will mm. roll out to the North Circular and the South Circular roads in 2021. Yeah, because I, I was so excited to hear that it was going to come to the South Circular, because I think... I mean, you know, it's just horrendous in London at the moment. Just like walking up Old Street earlier, it reeks. It's just really unpleasant. You're doing like really shallow breathing. It makes you more anxious. And then God knows what other, you know, issues that are going to come along later. And I just know like it's it's something like the ULES will help change mindsets, hopefully, and and even make people just think twice about, about driving and using their car and perhaps even getting rid of it. Yeah. Exactly. And will people replace their old cars with new cars? Maybe not, actually. It's actually thinking about whether options, you know, why would I want to do that? Why don't I just not get a car? I could share a car, I could borrow a car, or I could use a car club when I need one, but Mm. actually thinking about reducing that completely. But you're right, I was in, um, over half term, we went down to Cornwall and we were sort of camping in a, we were camping in a field in Cornwall and it was, it was lovely. But it was, you know, a week in that fresh air. And then you come back to London and I cycled to work that first day and you literally come down one of the busy roads, you could taste the pollution. Yeah. And it, 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 a week out of when you're living and breathing yeah. it on a daily basis, you just it becomes it, sadly, it becomes normal. Yeah. yeah? Go away for it for a bit and, uh, and, and taste it. It's different. We, I was on uh, I was in Great Ormond Street the other day where mm-hmm. the hospital had actually oh, organised a play street, street yeah, which was just the close off the street. And they had races and slides and stuff and some of the kids hadn't been out of the hospital for for weeks yeah and this was their first time out and the air was clean enough for them to go out and enjoy it because the cars literally weren't there and talking to the staff and to the patients and the the families of the patients that's the sort of london people want yeah i definitely it it feels like that now like you said it's like zeitgeist it's happening and we just have to do absolutely everything we can to encourage people to walk and cycle more um, so I'm really excited about Car Free Day as well. And, cause oh, I'm, me too. <laughs> can we have that every day? <laughs> or can we have it once a week? Do you right, reckon so we could? I, I think once a week. It depends on the scale of like this. Like Sunday, so. every Sunday. So some cities do do that. Yeah. Um, I love the... So we, on where, where we live, we've had play streets for, for a long time, which is, we I think, in our area, they happen every... every I think it's once a month, the Sunday, the yeah. roads close. That's and, really organised every and it's, street. Well, it's not just us. It's actually a mix and everybody oh, okay. takes over. I can't claim any credit for that. I, <laughs> I, I, I sort of sit there and drink tea and talk to talk to families. You're but one of the interesting <laughs> things of that has been that actually the the. The, the, it's not just about the kids playing in the street. It's actually about all the different people and the neighbours just talking together and building that sense of community in our in the neighbourhood. Yeah. And off the back of that, people got together and said, well, why can't we do something about the park or what could we do here? Oh, that's and the nice. sense of just organising something very simple on the street has led to other things and other initiatives. So all the evidence shows that it's not just about the clean air and the kids being active, but it's actually about the sense of community cohesion, which is why this stuff is so important. 
Yeah, it's like you have to do it at a grassroots level, don't you? Completely. Because like, otherwise it's just not going to happen. But at the same time, the, you know, we do need showcasing sort yeah. of really being big, exciting events that get people talking about this. To get yeah. this zeitgeist don't shift by themselves. No. It needs that upward swelling of, of activism. But then also we as, you know, the mayor as the leader of London wants to change this. He's, he's led with the ULEs and the Car Free Day is, is an expression of that. So I think it's the 22nd of September we yeah. are going to have over 20 kilometres of central London streets close to close to traffic. It, it will, there'll be activities for family. It'll be London Bridge, Tower Bridge, the City of London. We're going to arrange a walk, I think, with you a few of our friends. definitely do that. And... I think it's, it will be wonderful. It also coincides with, or it's, it's at the same time, is happening with open house. So oh, all the buildings that people yeah, can't usually get lovely. into, going back to my nosiness, you know, you can actually <laughs> go into some of these buildings and express it. So that's genuinely, genuinely exciting. Um, so while that's happening in central London, the play streets can happen in communities across the whole yeah. city. Everybody can get involved with that. And I would encourage people... Can you people, still apply? You can I still heard apply. It. Okay, that's Talk good. to your council. Yeah. yeah. If there's more demand, then, then that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and and we'll certainly look at that. Um, but I think what's good about that is those can happen every day. Closing off main London roads, we already close London roads over 100 times a year um, for whether it's car-free day around the marathon, car-free day around the mm. Bride London. There's so many different events happening in central London uh, that there are limits on how much you can do in the centre of town. But across the city, there are people closing their streets for this sort of activities on a, on a weekly basis. This it sounds like you're saying, like, the more people that do it, like, the more it will be clear that there is a desire and a need for it, which will then maybe hopefully help change policy. I think that's true with all of these things. That yeah. is essentially the democratic process. If people want these things and they call they out for so them... It takes so long. I know, that's the frustration <laughs> with so much of this stuff. But it's happening now. You know, yeah, it is happening. It is. We've There's got our, We've got our... We had our first one yes, uh, last year, which was pretty small, and we yeah. learned that from that, and it's actually, no, we need to do something much bigger. Yeah. We are, you know, with a greatest city in the world, our car-free day should be there's a, up with that too. I like the sound of that. Yeah. And I think the National Park City event will hopefully help with that kind of mission. I know it's a slightly different mission, but it's very interlinked. They're tied together. This yeah. is this is all about you know, so much this, their environmental benefits, their health benefits, yeah. all these things. But actually this is just part of living in a great city and this is how we keep great cities great. Yeah. You know, we don't, you know, London needs to be competitive. The best thing about being competitive, the most important thing about being competitive, that people want to come here. Yeah. They want to visit, they want to come here and raise their families to work here, yeah. invest I in companies. I don't want to leave London, I'm, I need the pollution levels to go down. I love living in <laughs> London, but that's why I do this job, to try and help improve yeah. it. Oh, thank, thank you. I think it's really good that you mentioned cities, because I really wanted to know about what was going on in the Netherlands, because they always get talked about being like the most amazing city for walking, or maybe, maybe mainly for cycling, sorry. Um, and I've been invited to go over to do a talk at a festival over there in October, um, which I'm still deliberating on, but it sounds like they're doing a lot of good stuff. Yeah, I was uh, I was over there um, a couple of weeks ago. I went over, I got invited to do a talk at a conference uh, and talk a bit about what London's doing and, okay. and how we're doing it. But I took the opportunity and very kindly people showed me around. I had a, someone showed a morning around, or so an afternoon cycling around Amsterdam. So many selfies. Uh, it's a lot of selfies. <laughs> uh, U uh, Utrecht and Rotterdam. And mm. uh, it was it was fantastic. It was it was so, it was inspiring. But it's very different context. You know, London is a city of, you know, we've got nine, eight million, nine million, or nine million people living here. Another one and a half million people come into London every day. You know, Amsterdam's a fraction of that side. It's a yeah. different scale. So we are 
de- dealing with the city at a, at a different challenge. But it was very inspiring seeing some of the things they were yeah. doing. I, um, I, I, I was cycling around with one guy in Amsterdam and he was saying, we've got the most beautiful cycle lane in the world. And I was like, well, you've got a lot of cycle lanes. You're comparing but we've your got cycle a, lanes. I, oh, I, but I did say, you know, we have got a wonderful cycle lane that goes past Buckingham Palace, Westminster mm, Abbey, Houses of Parliament, along the Thames, past the London Eye, mm. Tower of London. You know, that's a pretty iconic uh, sort of buildings along the cycleway. We might not have as many as you, but we've got pretty good ones. I love that you were like and, one-upping uh, each other. And he was like, watch this. And we cycled through a cycle lane that went through the Rijksmuseum. Yeah. What? It literally, under the Rijksmuseum, you could see in to the museum through the windows and there was an orchestra playing. No. Yeah. Yes. This and is I, an Amsterdam. This is an Amsterdam. And I was like, okay, hands up. Yeah. That one might win. That sounds like that one that I saw doing the rounds on Twitter where you like cycle through a lake. Do you, did you see I that, seen one? that one? Oh, no. I'll have to send it to you. Um, yeah, it's just like a cycle lane and it goes like right bang through a lake and you can just see like the lake on either side. It looks epic. But it was, yeah, so it was, it's fantastic some of the stuff they're doing. But it was also inspiring, you know, the, for some of the learning coming out of there was London's doing exactly the right thing. Yeah. This is exactly what we need to do is 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 is, is catch up. They they yeah. started in the 1970s when, and that's where their big shift away from the car work uh, came about. So we are, you know, we, we've got to play catch up with that. Um, people were, you know, it's a different attitude when you've got so many people uh, walking and cycling and it was pretty good. For, everybody talks about the cycling but actually there were a lot of people walking around as well. Mm. But because there's that everybody's got a degree of empathy and there's a civility on the road which yeah. is very different to here God, so because different. so few people everybody there cycles but they also might drive and they also might catch the tram so there's more empathy going across the whole city which is fantastic but the other thing I was um, I was really interested in that it's not the utopia that that we might see, see oh. saying. talking to the people putting in the infrastructure they're continuing to trying to improve this they have the same pushback some of the same challenges that we face in London in terms of putting in new infrastructure taking out parking, looking at what impact mm. it has in local communities, you know, how it works in particularly rich areas of London, you know, that's where they get pushed back to. So it was interesting saying that actually, even though they've been doing this for 40, 50 years, um, they've got a high, much higher volume of people cycling, um, they still face the same challenges we do. So did you do some skill sharing? I think uh, we, we, we talked an awful lot about how to do how to tackle it. And I think the, re- the answer was there's no silver bullet. We just need to keep working at it, oh, so keep like bringing a- people along with keep chipping away and I guess like there are other cities as well aren't there like Manchester and Barcelona where I read a stat around how cars can only go around 25% of the city or something like in that in Barcelona yeah. yeah I didn't know it was that that's so let that me just double check the stat whilst you're talking but it is um I think you know the, the Netherlands have got one particular approach uh, there is so much to learn from other cities but also particularly in the UK people are learning from us London is much is much further ahead than, yeah. uh, than other cities in the UK and, and much further ahead actually than national government in terms of our ambition and the level of funding per, per capita. And I think that's, uh, you know, we are always sharing our data and our approaches with everybody in, in, in the UK. But we're also learning from others, which is why, you know, when I mentioned earlier on, we went up to see Chris Boardman and see what yeah. they're doing in Manchester. You know, they, they've got a great plan. They're, they're, in the, they're in the process of trying to deliver that. They face some of the challenges we do as well. So actually, in terms of skill sharing and, and, and learning from others, I think that's why it's so important that people are talking, sharing that information and, uh, yeah. and learning 
learning from each other's mistakes and, and, and mistakes. Do you have your own WhatsApp group? Uh, I, we, <laughs> we don't. Actually, we probably should set that you up. You should totally yeah. set that up. Yeah. Although you wouldn't want oh, it to there's get so many, what, no, uh, <laughs> There's so many WhatsApp groups that we all have to be on these days. Yeah, you I can know. lose track, can't I you? I know. Like most of mine are on mute nowadays because I just find it so distracting. Oh, really? You can mute them? Yeah. Oh, I should do that. Yeah, you should I won't tell who I'm going to... I'm not going to tell everybody who yeah. I'm going to mute. It's, but, kind, uh, it's kind of not the kind of mute that you want. You still kind of get... If you go into WhatsApp, you still see that there's messages uh, there, okay. but at least you don't get alerted. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I highly recommend it. Yeah. So like, we've talked a lot about cycling. Um, should we talk a little bit more about walking yeah. and what more we could do to get people walking? Definitely. So I... You know, I think one of the things I really want to say is that actually walking, cycling do go hand hand in hand. Um, there are so many of the measures that we uh, need to do to make safer cycling routes actually make things safer for pedestrians too. And because they share a common a common challenge, a common enemy in that, which is the private car and the, mm-hmm. and the volume of private car uses. But we do need to focus on the safety of, of the infrastructure as well. So whenever we're doing, they might be people might call them cycle lanes or cycle routes or what have you. But actually, we're tackling pedestrian problems at the same time? How do we make those junctions safer? How do we put in more pedestrian crossings? So there's an infrastructure piece to this, which is clearly our responsibility in working with the boroughs across London needs to happen. But there's also a a raising awareness of, of walking. It strikes me as mad that Walking's just never been a po- on the policy agenda. Yeah. It, it drives me nuts. Me that too. Actually, people, you know, <laughs> somebody said, oh, walking, it's too pedestrian. And it, it's not. It's actually, it's an exciting, you know, it's a great way of getting around a city. And it's it's easy. It's accessible for everybody. And that's where I think walking has a role to play in the part of so many other journeys. So if you if you use a car in London on a daily basis, you do about one minute of walking on, yeah. per journey. If you catch the bus, it's between 8 and 15, uh, 8 and 12 minutes uh, of walking. walking to the bus. To walking to the bus stop and that sort of things, so you can and then actually just exploring your local area, walking to the school, take the school, the schools. Like, why aren't more people walking their kids to school? Not only is it good for the kids in terms of their health and educational outcomes, but also just having a bit of quality time with your your kids. Um, they're you know meeting friends on the way to school, reducing the amount of air quality, air pollution around the school. That's why we are increasing the investment in our outreach to schools. More people working in boroughs to actually drive that behaviour change because that behaviour change doesn't. It's not an engineering solution on its own. It's actually working with communities, working with teachers, staff, governors, uh, community, and, and parents to actually think how, what what can we do in those local areas to bring about those changes. Yeah, it's. it's- Good that you said that because in the last episode we were talking to Celeste Hicks from Mums yes. for Lungs um, about, you know, like the different mindsets and the situations that people are in, especially at the school run. And one of the things she said, which I found really interesting, was around how because people are worried about the roads or worried about pollution, um, often they will drive their kids yeah. to school. This is what I've, I've, I've <laughs> the same conversations and people are saying, oh, you know, oh, I, I, I hear about, all, I read about all the air pollution. Uh, so I'd rather have my kids safe from that than I'll put them in a car. And it's like, well, not only are you contributing to the air pollution, but you're, you're, you've got twice as much air pollution inside the car than you have outside the car. So you're actually putting your child more in more danger inside a polluted box. People just don't know that, though. It just, yeah. It's just, just not a generally well-known fact. And it should be. I, I spoke about it last week. I was ranting about how it should be like a public health campaign because people just don't realize you know like when you have a younger kid and you have more gear and you've got all this stuff you've got pram blah 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 um you know it's like oh you know it's the easy way to get from a to b but not only is it the easy way the kid sleeps in the car too and it's just like we just use it for things that 
we didn't realise we were going to use it for and we don't realise the actual the impact of that. And, and the long-term impact of this is really severe. So we have designed physical activity out of our everyday lives. Yeah, you know, Through exactly. all sorts of things. There have been so many advances in technology that have basically stripped it back to the point where I think for the first time in human history, this generation are likely to live not as... Their life expectancy is going to be shorter than their parents. When you yeah? told me that stat Up to before. five years. Yeah? So depressing. That is so depressing. And that is down to diet and, phys and, and physical inactivity. Mm. We have to change that. Now, sport and recreation can be part of that, but the easiest way to do it is just building it into part of your daily life. And one of the, all the behaviour science uh, shows that if kids are inactive under the age of 11, so they're not used to being active, it's far, far harder for them to be act active later on in life. So because of the way that behaviours are set, but also some of the motor neuron skills and balance and some of the yeah. physical attributes of this. So actually getting kids to be active early on is, is really important. That might explain why I trip over all the time. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, well, I don't know what's in that, in that, in that glass down there. Water. But that, okay. <laughs> but yeah, but I think that is that is 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 an awareness piece. And you know, when 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 we had kids, we got handed bump loads of stuff around nutrition and hygiene and health. Not one single piece of information was around getting your kid to play outside. No. Yeah, I'm not talking about on a treadmill and going running, but no. just simply just the idea meandering. of playing. Yeah, a friend of mine told me something, and I don't know if this is an accurate stat, but I love the analogy mm. that you know how the the this of kids used the roaming distance of an average sort of nine year old has reduced from sort of what used to be half a city to something that's almost the same as what's legally defined as a free range chicken. Yeah. Oh God! And you know, it's like actually, they've someone had a campaign of free range kids actually beginning that, yeah. to get them to to move up. But why is that happening? Again, fears around road danger. Yeah. yeah? Why is that? Too many cars and on residential streets. Hygiene as well, yeah. which I know is silly, but like, you know, just getting out in muddy and dirty and things like that yeah. with kids, like. People are often scared of that because they think they're going to get germs. Or when we did, we did a play street a few months ago, and it was uh, it was pouring with rain, and all mm. the adults were like, "Oh, should we cancel this? Should we cancel this?" And eventually, we decided not to and to do it in the well pouring, done. pouring rain. And I suddenly <laughs> felt terribly guilty that as a parent, my sort of kids had most of the time. If it's raining, I'm just the only time they spend out in the rain is trying to get out, coming in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So to true. go out and play in the rain, to splash in puddles, to be skidding, they're literally rolling around in puddles. Yeah. And they loved it. They all came in and had a you know hot chocolate and, yeah. and and dried off afterwards. But it was actually we do need to do that for our children. It's part of um it's part of being human. Yeah, I think I went, I went to an event. I think you were at the event. Um, it was last year, and it was like a panel of different people from all over the place, and they were coming to talk about you know how we how we can change behaviour and things like that. And one of the things that I thought was really interesting at that event is like how do we give children the freedom to be free outside yeah. again? You know, like when we were younger, we could go to the park on our yeah. own and stuff like that. But now that's just not well, a but thing. This comes down, you know, one of the biggest factors again is the road danger and yeah, cars going on the area, and yeah, that's one of, of the like things that. that's changed. And so this again is one of the limits on on the well-being of our kids. So you look at an area mm. where there are changes happening across an area to reduce car use to make it safer for kids. So Waltham Forest, uh, with the, the the changes that the council are doing there, you're getting more people walking. Up, you know, it's bucking every national trend, yeah. 42 minutes more walking and cycling a, a, a week per resident. You know, if you take away those cars, people are pay spending more time outside, they're moving around their neighbourhoods yeah. more. That's not just good I for them, but good for businesses too. 
I had assumed it was like stranger danger, but you're right. It's absolutely not as that, is it? Stranger danger plays a factor, yeah. but it isn't that. No, it is. It isn't it, that. It's the car, and yeah. that's and and that's that. That is something to be extremely. You know, people. Wow. Should, yeah. That's really good food for thought. I definitely think that that's something that I'm going to have to get to grips with as my son gets older and like the thought of him going to you know, secondary school, which is going to be further away, yeah. and like him being you know street savvy and smart enough to be able to navigate that journey on his own. We're, we're going through that at, at the Are moment. You? So uh, my son's about to start secondary school, but over the last, he's with his friends in the neighbourhood where we live. He's just been sort of walking a bit further himself and just building it in, and that's just Aww. part of it. It was actually, it was interesting. Did you um, cry? <laughs> not yet. He hasn't gone yet. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, and it's interesting how, uh, you know, technology can play a role in that. So yeah. um, there was a craze. I don't know if this is still a craze, but Pokemon Go was mm. one of the one of the crazes that sort of went on, and they, they they all went through it for a bit. And that was something that had all the kids out walking around the neighbourhood, catching these weird and wonderful Pokemon. Um, one morning, I think he came into our bedroom, and uh, it was about six thirty on a Saturday morning, and oh, you know, geez. and might have had a glass or two of, of, <laughs> of wine the night before. Anyway, he, he woke me up. And sort of said, oh, I want to go for a walk. And I'm like, what? What? You want to go for a walk? And I said, and I <laughs> That's say, amazing. And, 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 and he said, yeah, come on. And I go, oh, no, can we go on. later? And, and, he go, and I said, oh, can we go later? And I'll go later, go later. <laughs> but it's your job, Daddy. And at which point my wife nudged me and said, you've got a point. <laughs> so we went out for this walk at half past six. And so there are, good, there are pros and cons of a Pokemon Go. 6.30 in the morning on a Saturday, I could probably yeah. do without it. But it was interesting how that and, and you know, there'll Definitely. be other ones over here rumors of a Harry Potter thing that will get people out and yeah, actually you need to you technology is not the enemy here it's how you use it to 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 inspire to mm. to raise awareness to to get people active you know it's 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 not going away you've got to use it in the right way and it's amazing the creativity that's coming up that uh, and all the different things that that, that can harness that that yeah. passion for things so on that note like yeah. what other apps do you use to get around the city so obviously i use go jointly of course uh, <laughs> <laughs> i i i have a you know i have a i've a range of things on my phone we have, uh, I, have I use city mapper i use google maps i use um I use a TFL app to get around the city, but um, also I have I have a National Trust app. I have a, oh, a raft a of things uh, on, on there. Um, none of them are perfect, yeah. you know. Not you know there isn't uh, <coughs> one. Obviously, go jointly in terms of guided <laughs> routes is is lovely. Um, but actually, for the sort of day to day journeys, um, yeah. uh, I find quite often the Googles will put you onto main roads where yeah. I don't necessarily want to to walk, or they use tend to use a car based algorithm of exploring the city, yeah. and so send you up A roads exactly, and, stuff. Yeah. and it's and, and that's not necessarily the no. best walking route, and it certainly isn't the nicest walking route always. So um, I'm I'm really interested in just of, of how we can use new ways of looking at technology to explore moving around the city. Yeah. And and I think it is it's it's exploration. It's it's just uh, one of the things I love living in London as I never know what's around the next corner. That's very yeah? true. And sometimes those things are amazing, sometimes they're awful. But there is always something going on and something happening and something that's changed in the city. That's what makes it such a vibrant place to live. And so those apps that can help encourage, which can help enable people to to to, to spend more time wandering about, exploring the city, are, are really fun. Yeah, and um, I definitely think that there's more that 
we can do as well to make walking even better. Like we've made a head start with our Go Jointly Walking Map, but we're starting to talk to like a few other organisations who have data around air pollution and green yeah. space just to give you those alternative routes because I think like you say, they're like hidden gems around the corner. Exactly. And they're much more pleasant. I'm surprised you didn't say you use Strava or View Ranger. I don't actually use Strava. Yeah, I'm I, surprised. I, I'm, I, I have to admit that I'm a particularly slow cyclist. I, 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 <laughs> oh, so you're not competitive. And so I, I, not on this one. I, 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 don't, I'm not into, I don't think that central London is the place to be doing personal bests on bicycles. Don't you ever like um, get people like recognising you and then like trying to like cut you up or some, some people do recognize me some people most people are very nice when they recognize me um but not everybody so oh, there no. is obviously um and anyone listening to this uh, this but this this chat will know that there is you know there's nothing more contentious than putting in a cycle scheme but yeah. i remember i was cycling to a meeting somewhere in east london and i was cycling down the road and i'd been on the news the day before and uh, some guy had recognized me from the news and his and his friend had a bucket of fried chicken and he spent <laughs> 300 yards cycling, I mean cycling nothing, but it's a guy chucking bits of fried chicken at me. I was very glad I had my bicycle hat on at the time because otherwise I'd have been showered by fried chicken. It's like, that was one of the more weird and wonderful days of uh, of my job. That's outrageous, but also hilarious. Were they they the bones of the chicken? they wasted a whole family bucket on me. What? At least the bones. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that must have been a good day for you. Was that a highlight? That was not a highlight. No, <laughs> it was a bit awful going into this meeting with a. It was with a, with a council like leader with splodges all over my shirt. Oh, I'm so. really sorry, but it's also really funny. That's I'm bad. laughing about it now. No, I wasn't yeah, at, at the, the time. time. You must have been furious. <laughs> did you handle it well though? Because some people in like don't handle those things very well. Did they? It's not something I'd ever thought about how to handle before. This wasn't part of a job description. I, I, I just like, oh no. And then I was just imagining what my friends would be saying when this, uh, when they, when they heard about it. Yeah, it's brilliant. What a great anecdote. Thank you. So I'm really conscious of your time. I know you've got loads of things to do. So thank you very much for coming on the show. It was amazing. And I hope we'll get to see you again oh, soon. Oh, thanks so much. I'd love to come back on, and uh, always happy to have a chat. Thank you. Thanks, Hannah. I really enjoyed talking to Will today. He's super interesting and has hilarious anecdotes. I'm really glad that we have someone like that in TFL to help represent walking and cycling. And I really hope that together and with all of your help as well, that we can make change happen and encourage more walking and cycling. I'm also really looking forward to Car Free Day on the 22nd of September. I think it'll be a really great opportunity to experience what London is like without all of the traffic and the fumes. We'll definitely be trying to do an event around then, so stay tuned for that. I really hope you've enjoyed this show as much as we have. If you have any suggestions for guests or topics to cover, then please do get in touch at hi at gojauntly.com. For more information about the show, visit gojauntly.com forward slash nature bants. This podcast was brought to you in partnership with Lizelle Beauty Co., Find out more about Lizelle Skincare over at lizelle.com.